It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. How can atoms in a water molecule reveal our inheritance in Christ? The bride of Christ is referred to as a well of living waters in the Song of Solomon. This reveals our calling in this world and our calling in the world to come because God hides supernatural truths in natural phenomena. This is going to be a blessing to you. Let's go. Let's proceed into the depth of this revelation. The bride of Christ called to be a well of living waters. Let's start by looking at the opposite. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, the wicked in this world are referred to as wells without water. Because see, there's a God-shaped vacuum. There's a hole in the heart of every human being that is dry and without any source of revelation or inspiration or understanding concerning life, concerning the Creator. We're devoid of all of that. As Peter said, we are like wells without water before we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But then when we shift over from wickedness to righteousness, Proverbs 10.11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. And so this internal well of living waters flows out of us most effectively in the words that we speak. We're going to find out that it's words flowing out of us toward God and words flowing out of us toward others. Now, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 15, the bride of Christ is referred to as a well of living waters, not normal, natural water, but living water. It's alive with the presence of God. Other translations of this passage refer to God's people as a garden spring and a garden fountain. Well, that's such beautiful, beautiful symbolism because a ceaseless fountain of water speaks to our hearts this strong and comforting message of peace, satisfaction, life, and eternity from God toward us, from us toward God. When you stand gazing at a fountain, it just has such a calming effect on our hearts. And that fountain is representative of who we are. Now, Zechariah 9.11 says that God will rescue us from the pit in which there is no water. And that's a symbol for this world. It is a pit, an imprisoning pit. There is nothing here that can quench our thirst. There's nothing here that can satisfy the inward longing. Now, the world offers its counterfeits, it offers sin and sensuality, drugs, alcohol, anything to calm the storms of the mind and the heart. But you'll find out again and again if you turn to these things 
that's not what we need. This world is a pit in which there is no water. There is nothing here to quench the thirst of the inner man for truth. Now, what's so beautiful about this is that the symbol of being a fountain of living waters, a well of living waters, is attributed to God as well. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, God is referred to in these terms. Uh, Jeremiah the prophet said, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. In other words, they turned away from the true and the living God and embraced idolatry. And there's nothing in these false deities, these false interpretations of the nature of God that can quench the heart of man. And so God refers to himself in that passage as a fountain of living waters. Also in Jeremiah 17, 13, it says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Now, those two passages in Jeremiah talk about the grievous uh, sin of the children of Israel in departing from their source, departing from the one who could quench their thirst. But Zechariah 13.1 foretells the wonderful dawning of the new covenant and the coming of the Messiah in these kind of terms. It says, in that day, a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. So part of the role that God fills as a fountain of living waters is to wash over our hearts with his cleansing influence, washing our sins away, not only quenching our thirst for communion with God, but washing away that which has hindered us from communing with God. Now, let's pause for just a moment and focus on the very symbolism of water. What does water represent, and why does God choose water as such an important symbol in identifying who he is and in identifying who we are. Now, water is a staple of life. You can go about 40 days without food, but you can only go normally about three or four days without water and just a couple of minutes without breath. So these three things are very important for our survival, food, water, and breath. You cannot lack these things and still live. And what is true naturally is also true supernaturally. Water is very necessary for us to be sustained in this world and carried into our inheritance in the next world. Well, why water? What does water represent? What makes up the molecular structure of water? There are two elements in this liquid that is so important to our survival, hydrogen and oxygen. There are two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom in every molecule that makes up water. That's why we know it to be H2O. When I was pondering that, I thought, well, that's the same thing spiritually as well. 
there's two elements that make up living water, the word and the spirit. And I like to say it's word to spirit, two parts in the word, Old Testament and New Testament, and one part spirit. And when you marry the word and the spirit together, you get this life enhancing, life-invigorating, life-fulfilling flow that comes from the heart of God toward us. Now, that's verified by two scriptures that I'm going to share with you. Ephesians 5.26 talks about how God will cleanse the church, the bride, by the washing of water by the word. So the word of God is symbolized as water. And then, in John chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus said, He who believes on me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But then the writer explained that statement and said, This he spoke concerning the Spirit, which was not yet given, for Jesus was not yet glorified. And so, in Ephesians 5, 26, the Word is represented by water. In John 7, 38, the Spirit is represented by water. Well, which is correct. Both are correct because those two spiritual elements bring us to completion and fulfillment. As they flow from God toward us, they complete us. And as they return to God from us, they go forth out of our hearts. They spring forth like a fountain out of our hearts in the form of thanksgiving and praise and worship toward God because we quote his word in prayer. We send forth these God-given, cleansed, and sanctified emotions out of our heart. The love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God in our hearts flow back to the God who gave it. And so it's a beautiful communion and union of our hearts from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. Now, this powerful insight was given to a woman of ill repute. And most of us have heard the message of the woman at the well. Jesus was there in Samaria and a woman came to the well and he made a request of her. He said, give me to drink. She was amazed. She said, how is it that you, being a Jew, would ask drink of me, who am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. See, Samaritans were a mixture of Gentiles and Jews that had a lot of false religious ideas, and, and strict Jews shunned them altogether. And she was amazed that Jesus would even talk to her. What I'm amazed at is not that Jesus would talk to a Samaritan, but that he would reveal some of his deepest mysteries to a woman who had a, a terrible past. In fact, as the conversation proceeded, uh, that past is revealed. She said, how is it that you would ask drink of me, who am a woman of Samaria? The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Listen, Jesus still is saying to people, give me to drink. He's thirsty for union with the hearts of those who are in this fallen world to be reunited with him and to offer him the praise and worship that he deserves. And 
So he didn't really need her little bucket of water. He was the creator. He was the one who made the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the Indian Ocean, the Arctic Ocean, the Antarctic Ocean. All the rivers and lakes and ponds in the world came out of him when he spoke them into existence. He didn't need her little bucket of water, but he desired it. He wanted to see her response to him. In like manner, God is surrounded by multitudes of angels that ceaselessly praise him. He doesn't really need your bucket of water or my bucket of water, but he still desires that you pour out your heart to him in praise and that you worship him with all of your being. And so this really speaks to my heart. Jesus responded to her and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will be in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Of course, the woman at the well said, give me this water. I don't want to have to come here and draw water from this well again. She didn't fully understand. He was speaking in supernatural terms. But listen to the the progress of what happens here. He said, whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Speaking of natural water, it never sustains you over a few hours. And nothing the world offers you will ever sustain you. Uh, You may feel temporary satisfaction for a few minutes or a few hours, but then you're thirsty once again, and it was all false and deceptive and untrue. But Jesus offers water that will quench your thirst for the rest of your life and for time on into eternity. He said, whoever drinks of this water that I give him will never thirst. Well, I wondered about that one time, and I said, Lord, I'm still thirsty for God after 10, 20 years, and you said I would never thirst again, and God spoke to my heart and said, you haven't finished the cup yet, because see, when you get saved, when you give your life to Jesus, it's like you put a cup to your lip filled with the living water of truth, the spirit of truth and the word of truth, and God has your days so measured that Every day you have a sufficient amount of the word and the spirit to be sustained spiritually. But God has your steps and your life so ordered that on the last day of your existence, you will tip that cup high and drink it to the dregs and cast that cup away, never to thirst again. Yes, Jesus was speaking the truth. Now let me delve into this interchange between God and and his people by going to Ecclesiastes 1.7. That scripture says, all rivers run into the sea. All rivers run into the sea. Let's bump that up to a metaphorical level, a symbolic level, where Jesus said in John 7.38, he who believes, not he who doubts, not he who fears, not he who is constantly depressed and discouraged, push past all of that and believe that you are important to God. Believe that you have value in his sight. Believe in the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Believe that the truth will make you a conqueror in all things. And he that believes out of his innermost being will flow rivers, not a singular river, but plural, 
rivers of living water, rivers of joy and peace and love and grace and wisdom and knowledge and power and authority and all the things that are characteristics of God deposited in you. They flow out of you by the word and by the spirit. All rivers run into the sea. What does that mean? It means God's river of life that flows from the throne of God, according to Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. The river of living water flows from the throne of God. And when you submit to the authority of the one who sits on the throne, that water flows into you to quench your thirst. But just like the conversation with the woman at the well, once you drink that water to satisfy your own thirst for God and for truth, it changes its circuit and begins to flow out of you as a fountain of living water. See, it doesn't just end up uh, in you stagnant and unmoving. You become a reservoir of living water that continues to flow out of you to the world around you that desperately needs your influence and back to the God who gave it to satisfy his thirst for communion with mankind. Because you, the redeemed of the Lord, are not wells without water, as Peter said in 2 Peter 2.17, but your mouth has become a well of life. Speak the truth. Share the living water that flows out of you with others who are dying of thirst around you. And be sure to share that living water back with the God who gave it, because this is your calling. You are a well of living waters. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.